Well, the Lord is good. Merry Christmas to all of you. Hope you're having a great week so far. Uh, I was uh, on a fast last year. I don't know if you know that. And the very first thing the Lord said to me on that fast, which I've never preached on yet until tonight, but the very first thing he talked to me in that first week was about the blood. And he said to me this afternoon, I want you to teach tonight on what I taught you on the fast about the blood. And I haven't taught on it since because he hasn't given me the release to teach on it. And so I'm not sure exactly why he's having me do this tonight because it's kind of a Christmas time and it's not exactly a sermon I would probably put at a Christmas season, but I'm not the boss, brother. I'm really not the boss. I heard him say very clearly, I want you to talk about the blood, what I showed you on the first week of that fast. And really, can I be perfectly honest with you? Could you open up your hearts now, okay? Now, I can be perfectly honest with you. If you can, if you can catch just a little bit of this, because it's kind of a, it's a simple revelation, but it's kind of deep at the same time. Yeah. And, and, and I've been studying the blood. That's kind of my favorite subject, okay? I started the very first thing I ever studied in the Bible was the blood when I was a young teenager. Uh, I guess healing probably was first at 12 years old. And then, and then I started studying about the blood. And I've read so many books about it. And I've, I've just absorbed teachings. And I've taught it many, many times over the years. And, uh, and, and, and you know, you kind of think you get... You got all that there is. You've squeezed all the water out of that sponge. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and that's really not true <laughs> because the sponge is eternal. And so I started to inquire of the Lord before the fast. And I preached a little bit, about, I think, about it before the fast as well, about, Lord, this subject of the blood seems to be a misunderstood subject. Because we tell people, go ahead and apply the blood. But what does that mean? So many Christians do things without even knowing what they're doing. They do it because of some religious Pentecostal belief. Do you understand? And, and, and I'm just not that kind of a person. I don't want to just do something because somebody told me to do it or I heard a great preacher tell me to do it. I have to understand this thing. And yet I've been applying the blood for years and I've preached about applying the blood. And there's this, this one subject is so vast. You could teach an entire 52 weeks on the blood and still not exhaust it. There are so many angles that you can come from. So I'm not trying to, this is just one aspect of it. But he started to show me after a many, literally a while, I would say probably a couple years of talking to him and saying, Lord, help me understand what this really means because I do apply the blood, but I got some questions about it that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And it almost sounds sacrilegious to ask. It almost sounds wrong to ask. Because this is such a holy subject, just don't even talk to God about the blood. Just do it. Just apply it and be done with it because you don't even have a right to even talk about it. It's so holy. Do you understand? But that's not really what God feels. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to understand it. And he knows my heart is not to, to question him like, I don't want to do this. My heart is to say, I want to do this, but I've got some questions. I don't fully understand it while I'm doing it. And I'm preaching about it, but I don't fully understand it myself. For example... If Jesus cleansed me with the blood when I was saved, why do I have to apply it? What, did it leave me? Do you, ever th do you actually have a brain? Do you think? Or do you just do religious spouting? What does it mean, Brother Greg, when we say apply the blood? Because I've served that all my life and I've preached it many times and there's a, a great revelation to that. But what does it really mean? Think about it. Jesus shed his blood on the cross you came into that covenant the day you got saved. Yes. When you came into that covenant, that blood removed that sin problem in your, in your spirit, man, and made you alive unto God. Yes. Right? Yes. And now he sees you through that blood. That's why you can enter any time to the throne of grace because he sees you through the blood. Yes. So what, the blood, dis, why are we applying it if we're under it? Yes. That's an honest question. Yes. And then I know when I sin, the Bible says 1 John 1, 9 and 7, that uh, the blood of Jesus cleanseth us from all sin. So when I sin, I have to ask him for his cleansing power. And so I understand when I sin, there's a problem. The blood gets rid of that. But my salvation, even if I've sinned, my salvation is still intact, even if I sin. And I'm still under the blood and from a saved perspective. So if I'm under the blood and the blood is in me and on me and God sees me through it, why do I have to apply it? It's almost like it disappeared. It left me. And now if I don't apply it, now you see, you can get, people can get into error on this. 
Now, if you don't, it's, it's almost like the Catholic thing. If you don't take communion, because they believe in transubstantiation, which is a demonic doctrine, that the cracker and the grape juice or wine becomes the physical, literal body, flesh, and the physical blood of Jesus when it goes into your stomach, which is completely crazy. But they believe if you don't, my uncle is a very devout Catholic. If he does not have communion every day because of transubstantiation, he'll go to hell. So he is, he is oppressed and fearful. I have to have communion because I could lose my salvation if I don't. Because the blood, it becomes the blood. And if I don't ingest that blood, I'm not clean before God. I have to take it. See, now that's bondage. Do you understand? So, you know, you, you got to be careful. You can't just get into this thing of, well, you know, I have to apply the blood every day and I kind of a bondage perspective because I'm saved whether I apply the blood or not. Do you understand? But then why do you have to apply it? And what does applying it even mean? And why do you have to apply it if you're under it? Those are questions that I don't, I don't know, but a lot of people don't seem to ask. They just seem to do it. And, and, and say these prayers, but what are you really doing? And do you really understand what you're doing? So I started to ask the Lord, and of course I started to do some research on it as well. And uh, I, I found out that most Christian authors don't really know much about the Jewish history. So I contacted a, a famous rabbi in Israel who's not born again. He's a, he, if he knew I was a pastor, he probably wouldn't talk to me. But I contacted him, just made it sound like I was interested in studying Judaism. And I asked him some questions about the blood from Exodus and Leviticus because I wanted to know what a rabbi, because there's certain things the Bible doesn't really specify and there's certain things that Christian authors don't really know. And so I, I, went, I went to him and I asked him some questions, okay? And one of the questions I asked him, I said to him, I said, what, what was it, Did first of all, the Israelites applied the blood on the day of Passover, but we don't really see in the scriptures, I said the word Torah, because I want them to think I'm Jewish. You know. We don't really see, you know, in, in the Torah that they applied it subsequent to the Passover. But did they apply it subsequently on Passover for all those many hundreds of years, you know, Nisan 14, on that Passover day, which is the day Jesus ended up dying on, but did they take that blood as kind of like a ceremonial act and, and put it on the, until in the doorposts of the houses like they did on that day the death angel passed? Because I know Christians have told me for years that the Jews did that. And I want to know if that was true. And the rabbi said to me, no, it's never happened. It happened one time and one time only in history, which was on the actual day of, Pente uh, the day of Pentecost, on the day of Passover in, in Egypt. Yeah. They never touched the blood since then. And we don't do it today. And, and so now I can't ask him symbolic because he doesn't know symbolic things through the light of the cross because he's not even a believer. But I wanted to know, did they ever reapply it? And they've never reapplied it. That was one time only. So I started going to the Lord about some of these things and saying, Father, I've got a whole lot of questions about this glorious subject called the blood, and I'd like to ask you about them. And one of the things I said to him, I said, Lord, uh, if, they, if they, why, why did the Israel believers in God, Jews, before Jesus came, why did they never apply the blood again after that one time? There must be a reason for that. Why did they never do it? And the Lord spoke to me. And he said to me, because they weren't priests. And so I started to study and realized that only priests under an office with special garments were authorized to touch the blood because it was too holy. And regular Jews could not touch it for they were not priests. That's why they never did it subsequent to Passover night. And then the Lord said to me, however, you are a priest and every born again believer is a kingdom of priests and a holy nation unto God. So they weren't authorized to touch it unless you were in office called a priest. And technically it wasn't even just the priest. It was the high priest. He had to sprinkle it. The regular priests weren't even worthy of it. The high priest, the chief honcho was the only one worthy to touch that blood. Think about that. 
But as a believer, we are all made un priests unto our God, and we are all found worthy to handle not just animal blood, but the precious blood. Amen. Only one man, one time a year, was worthy to touch animal blood. And here, every believer, anytime they desire, can touch holy blood. Amen. I mean, come on. That's why it's called the better covenant. Yeah. That's why it's called the better covenant. So then I said, but Lord, okay, I understand that they weren't priests. They didn't have an authorization to touch them. But well, then why could they touch it the first time? If they weren't authorized, how come you let them touch it on that night? Because every Jew was putting it on their doorposts. And they weren't priests. Why, why did you allow it that time? And he answered me. And he said, because it represented a one-time act of their will, which is symbolic of the born-again experience. See, you don't, they never applied it subsequent because it was a symbolic act that in the future, the believer that receives by the act of your will to say, Jesus, I receive you and I honor your blood. Wash me with it. I apply it to my life and you become born again. You have to do that by the act of your will, but you never have to do it again from the perspective of getting saved again. Because once you're saved, you're saved. So he said to me, I let them do it. Now, I've never read this or taught this. God taught me this directly. He said, I, I let them do it because it was a symbol of the future. They had to, by an act of their will, do it. But it was a one time I never let them touch it again because they're not worthy. But you have to do it one time because you never have to do it again from the perspective of the, you're always saved. But from another perspective, you are worthy to continue handling it. But not from the perspective of continuing to be saved. Because you're already saved. Do you understand? Are you with me? I'm going to give you a couple little nuggets here. And then I said to him, why did the priest, high priest, only do this blood sprinkling deal one time a year? Why did they not do it more often? One time a year on the Day of Atonement, which was technically the holiest feast day of the Jewish calendar. One t- it's in the fall, one time a year, they would, they would sprinkle the people, all the things in the temple. They would sprinkle it with that lamb's blood. And I said, Lord, why wouldn't they do it all the time to honor you and to honor what that symbol means? And he spoke to me. Again, I shocked sometimes that he actually speaks to me, but because I'm asking questions that really it's like, you can't really get around it. Either has to give me a direct answer or he doesn't give me an answer at all. Do you understand? Because I'm asking very pointed questions. I need pointed answers. And I said, why did you, uh, how come they only did it one time per year? Why didn't you cause them to show more honor for it? And he spoke to me and he said, because animal blood is only worthy to be honored yearly. But my blood is worthy to be honored daily. He couldn't have them honor it all the time because it's just animals. If he had them honor it all the time, then when Jesus' blood came along, it would equalize. You do it once a year because while it's special and it represents something holy, it's just animal blood. But now with my blood, now it's different. You are expected to on a daily basis honor because it's the holy blood of Jesus. I'm trying to take you on a path with me. Why did that priest, how come Lord you, how come they, the, you know, what's the first question that I asked again? I forgot now. Why didn't they apply it again every year, the people? Because it was a symbolic act by the decision of their will. I let them do it once, just like you apply the blood to your life from the perspective of salvation one time, and you never have to do it again because you're saved. They did it once, which represented salvation. They never had to do it again. But why couldn't they do it again? Because they weren't worthy to touch it. Because even animal blood, you had to be you have to be in an office. But now as a kingdom of priests, all can touch it. So if you let them do it again, if you let them do it once and we do it once from the perspective of salvation, but we're worthy to continue to handle it unlike them, well, why did the priests only honor it once a year? Well, because animal blood is not worthy to be honored more than once a year, but my blood is worthy to be honored daily. And so this is where the, this is where the, the duality comes in. We did a one-time act of honoring the blood, which brought us into the covenant by the born-again experience. But if that's the last time that you honored the blood, God is displeased with you. 
because the one-time act never needs to be repeated because now you're saved. You don't, the, the power of the blood is so beyond you, it saved you forever. But just because you are saved by it and you don't have to repeat the salvation process, that does not mean that you should not be daily honoring it, not to get saved, but to honor it for what it is. And doing it daily, not yearly, because it's not just light. It's Jesus, his blood. It's not animal blood. And as a priest, you are worthy to handle it, not just once a year, but every day. But not to be saved, but to show honor for it. And so then the Lord, I'm giving you, this is many years of seeking God. You're getting, you guys are more blessed than you know. Because I, I, I spend a long time talking to God. I can't tell you how many hours praying and reading and studying and researching and praying again and waiting and praying. And I'm just giving you the culmination. Shame on you. You don't even, you didn't do anything for this. Except come and bring your tithe and become a member of this church. Which is why you're getting it. Amen. No, because this is, a, this, is, this is special, what I'm telling you is special. This represents a long journey for me. So I haven't taught it because nobody's worthy of it. Really. I mean, I, you know what I'm saying? Why should I teach it, Taylor? Let them stay in ignorance. Or you, I, I sought you, you showed me, it's mine. That's the wrong attitude because it's the people's. It's for the people, but he wouldn't release me to talk about it till tonight. It's been a year, it's been over a year, it's been 13 months. But since he said, I want, I want you to talk about it. And it was this afternoon, so I'm not sure why he picked tonight, but for every reason he did. Maybe some of you need to hear it. Amen. I think all of us, including me, we always need to hear it. Amen. And so I, 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 I'm trying to understand this thing where he's saying the one time never repeats for salvation purposes, but there is a daily honor for the blood. Then he started to teach me and he said, what you call applying the blood the Pentecostal phrase, plead the blood. He started to talk to me. He said, what you call applying or pleading the blood is better stated as magnifying or honoring the blood. And then he said, go look at Dad Hagen. So I went to look at Dad Hagen because he's the gold standard, the platinum standard of teaching and doctrine, in my opinion. And Dad Hagen very rarely, very rarely, if ever, talked about applying the blood. Why? But he would talk regularly. He would say, make much of the blood. Magnify the blood. Worship God for the blood. Lift up the blood. He, his favorite phrase that I remember in terms of listening to him talk about it was, make much of it. Make much of it. Make much of it. See, he didn't talk as much about applying, although that's okay to put that word if you want, I don't want you to get all bent out of shape with me tonight because some of you got those holy cows that you can't let go. I'm not saying don't apply. I'm not saying don't plead. What I'm saying is really applying and pleading is honoring. It is magnifying. It is making much with your mouth of the blood. Particularly because the blood is already on you because of salvation. So it, it causes me to misunderstand it a little bit if I keep having to think that I have to keep putting it on me. Well, where did it go? Did it leave me? No, I'm under it all the time. It, by saying applying, it almost makes it seem like I'm void of it. And now I have to add it back to my life. But where did it go? I didn't ask it to leave. What, what happened? Did it, did, it go, did it leave me? Why did it leave me? I didn't think it left me. No, it's never left me because once I'm under that flow of crimson tide from the day I got born again, I'm still under the blood every day. It is on me. He sees me through that blood. It is with me as a divine friend with me all the time. So it's not an application like it doesn't exist. I'm applying what it is. It's more of a magnification and an honoring of what you have. And that's why Dad Hagen rarely used the word apply. Yeah. He often said the word magnify and make much of because he understood that would bring more, more clarity to people. Are you with me? I'm giving you nuggets. I'm trying to do a breadcrumb trail of nuggets. Just follow me for a minute. You still with me? So I, uh, I in, in praying and waiting on God and talking in the fast to him a lot about this and even praying again about it today and kind of refreshing my mind about it today, uh, I, I look back at what he had said to me and he said to me, he said, if you just look at the blood as a separate entity, which most people do, 
apply the blood like it's some kind of thing. And it is a thing. But if you look at it as a separate entity, it's not the fullness of revelation, he said to me. And then he said a, a curious phrase. He said, the blood cannot be held in a vacuum. And I thought, the blood cannot be held in a vacuum. In other words, you know what, what that phrase means, to hold something in a vacuum? He said, you can't just hold it independent of everything else. And then he said this phrase to me. He said, the blood must be seen in light of covenant. Yes. Because it is called the blood of the covenant. You won't usually just see it said as blood. You will see the phrase, the blood of the covenant. And if the words blood of the covenant are not listed, they are implied. Do you know why? Because when the blood was shed, covenant was cut. Without the blood, there can be no covenant. But with the blood, covenant is the other side of the equal sign. Amen. You can't have covenant without blood. And when there is blood, there has to be covenant. I'm not trying to be vulgar, but I'm saying when, when husbands and wives get married, it's called cutting covenant. The world calls it tying the knot, but that's not what God calls it. God calls it that you're cutting covenant. Do you understand? When you have do a blood brother relationship with somebody, there is, there, there is a cutting of blood and a mixture of blood because that produces covenant. Why would you cut yourself for a blood for nothing? The reason there's blood is because there's covenant. Yes. Right. So, so he said to me, you're looking at the blood in a vacuum. You're separating it. I'm trying to help you. I don't know if I am or not. I'm trying to help you. Just tell me what he told me. Because I think about this a lot. You, you, you're separating it. You've got it out here somewhere as this untouchable thing called the blood. And then you're talking about applying it to yourself like you don't have it. And that's why you're confused, son. It's not out here by itself. It is the blood of the covenant. When you think blood, you think covenant. When you think covenant, you think blood. Yes. Connect the blood to covenant, you'll understand it better. Yes. Do you understand? Yes. So I started to look at the blood in light of the word covenant. Because that's really where the blood, that's why the blood was shed was for covenant. And without the shedding of blood, there can be no covenant. Right. And, and with covenant requires blood. And so I started to look at it, and then I saw this scripture verse. If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9, I think it'll help you. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 20, because this verse just says it. I mean, there's other verses in Hebrews as well, but this verse really says it so nicely. I mean, it's so perfectly phrased. In the King James, it says, saying, this is the blood of the testament or covenant which God has enjoined or charged you to obey. You see that? This is the blood of the covenant. Now, of course, there's many, there's many references where it says the word blood alone, but it's always connected to the idea of covenant. Amen. Why did the blood of Jesus, why was it shed? So that we could come into covenant. It, it wouldn't have been shed if we wouldn't come into covenant. Why were the animals' blood shed? To remind the people of covenant. Yeah. If, if there was no covenant, there's no need for blood. So when you're talking about the blood, you've got, to, you've got to connect it with covenant. You can't hold it in a vacuum. It's a covenant. It's a covenant phrase. So I need you to start thinking. When you think of blood, I need you to start thinking as in terms of because of my covenant with God, there is blood. What is blood? Life. Because life is in the blood. What is it? It's the life of God. When you're talking about the blood of Jesus, you're talking about God's literal life. It's his force. It's his power. It's his strength. Yes. Do you understand? The, the, it's not just red blood. You understand? First of all, that red blood was the physical blood went in the ground. But Jesus has, there was a spiritual. He went with his spiritual blood. Yeah. And he took it to heaven and he put it on the, and he sprinkled it on the mercy seat in heaven. Because the same mercy seat in heaven is what the earth is, is patterned after. So that, that spiritual blood is up there right now and will be there for eternity because that is what allows us to be born again and maintain being born again. 
So the blood and covenant are interchangeable terms. You've got to renew your mind to understand. When we talk about the blood, we're not just talking about something out here that you don't understand. We're talking about the very life of God that is produced because of the covenant of God with me. Without the blood of Jesus, I don't have covenant with God. But because of the blood of Jesus, I have a relationship with God. But listen, my relationship with God is alive. The blood, the life of God, because of his blood is in me, and my relationship is living with God. It's not stagnant. It's not religious. I have an aliveness between me and God because of the blood. So if you're going to apply the blood, which really means to honor or make much of the blood, what are you doing? You are reminding yourself. How do you apply the blood? What really is it about, Taylor? Let's get out of the religious carriage and into reality here. Day-to-day reality with revelation. When I apply the blood, so to speak, what I'm doing is I am showing honor and reverence for my covenant with God that is alive in me because the blood brought me in and the blood keeps me in and the blood makes this living between me and God. And when I talk about my covenant and I talk about the life that is in me by the Holy Ghost, I am honoring the blood because that's what the blood is. It's the life. So it's not a little phrase. I apply the blood. It's something so much greater than that. I'm a priest that is authorized to handle it. I have to show honor for it daily. Not yearly, not monthly, daily. They couldn't, but I can. They did it yearly because it's nothing but animal. But I do it every day because it's so worthy to be worshipped. It's Jesus' blood. I did it once to get saved, but I do it every day to honor. Are you listening? So have a look there again. Let me read you that verse 20 from the Amplified Classic. And it says, saying these words, this is the blood that seals and ratifies the agreement, the testament, the covenant, which God commanded me to deliver to you. Let me read it from the Passion Translation. This is the blood of the covenant that God commands you to keep. That word enjoined in the King James, enjoined to you, it means he has given you a charge or a command to obey it. So let's, Listen to what he's saying here. Moses is telling the people, this is the blood of the covenant that you are commanded to obey. Now let me read you that whole phrase from, go down with me a little bit further now, to verse 15. Uh, Let's get to verse 12 because it's just too good. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. See, that's covenant. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more should the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works? How much more to serve the living God? And for this cause, he is the mediator or the go-between of the New Testament. That member, because he went in between us. He cut covenant with God. We enter in because of that. He's the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of transgressions that we were under the first covenant, they, they which are called might receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. I'm not just under an old covenant anymore in animal blood. I'm under a new covenant because of his blood. I think you know these things. Now watch verse 16. For where there... Every time you see the word testament, just just put covenant, because that's the same word in the the Greek. For where a a covenant is, there must also of necessity be the death of the covenantor. Got it? Your will doesn't work. Your daddy's will don't work. Will and testament until he dies. When he dies, that, that will and testament has force. And while he's alive, you can't do anything with it. That's what he's saying here. Where there is a testament or a covenant, there must of necessity be the death of that testator. For a, for a testament or a covenant is of force after the man is dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. What's he saying? When Jesus was alive, the blood had no power. But after he died, it gave force or energy or strength or power to that covenant. He could, we couldn't have the covenant without his death. Because the death enforced the covenant. The blood, which is representing the death, gave strength to that covenant. Just like the death of your father gives strength to the last will and testament. Are you following? 
Whereupon, verse 18, neither the first, this is very important, neither the first covenant was dedicated without blood. What's he saying? Even in the lesser, even with Moses, even in the old covenant, it had to have blood. It was lesser because it was animal blood, but it was still blood. Only the high priest could deal with it, not the people, because it was even animal blood was considered holy. And it was only once a year, not every day, but it still had to have blood. Now he tells us a little bit more. For when Moses, verse 19, had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water, which represents the word, scarlet, which represents suffering, wool, scarlet wool, suffering, hyssop, which represents faith, and sprinkled both the book and all the people. Are you understanding me? Can you picture it? He takes this blood and he's sprinkling the people. Now, just for point of illustration, because it is Christmas time. So, no, I just, I just wanted to help you because these things help you remember. No, they, no, I'm not, no, 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 I'm not being weird. I'm just saying, he would say, he would, he would say, Greg, this is what the law says. This is what the precept says. Now, this is the, listen, listen, this is the covenant that God has made with us through grandfather Abraham. And as grandfather Abraham walked through blood, that covenant was ratified or made alive or made strong because of that blood. Now we are obligated to obey that covenant. And so I am telling you the law of the covenant. This is the covenant that God is, we are not like the world. We are not like the Jebusites and the Hittites and the Perizzites. We're not like them. And I'm saying to you, you are not like the rest of the people in this city. You're not like them. You're not like the people at your office. They're the Jebusites. We're not like them. We are covenant people. This is Moses. He's talking to the people. We are covenant people because of a covenant of blood. And he says, now I'm telling you the law and I'm going to, and he took a, a basin with blood and he would dip his finger and he would say, now to remind you to show honor for this covenant and honor for the blood that gives it life. I put the blood on you and you'd sprinkle the people like this. I know Dan really wants it. So I'm going to sprinkle Dan and I'm going to sprinkle Hannah. No, I'm serious. That's exactly what he would do. He would take that and he would sprinkle it, Lorraine, right? Taylor, sprinkle it, Taylor. There we go. He would sprinkle. He would sprinkle. Why? I'm telling you, it's a powerful, it's a powerful revelation. The blood came upon them. And it made, listen, it made the covenant that they had to obey very real. Oh, that's right, Moses. I kind of forgot because it's been a long time. It's been a whole year. But you're right. Grandpa Abraham did this through blood. And this covenant is, is not just a bunch of rules. This, somebody gave their life for this. An animal gave life and life is in the blood. And this covenant is actually to some measure living. And it must be real to me. And as I feel that blood come on me, as you sprinkle me, it's going to last me a whole year. And it's going to remind me every day. I'm going to remember this moment every day for a year that I'm not just in covenant with God from dead things, but I'm supposed to have, it's supposed to be alive to me. Are you listening now? Now watch this. Three instructions slash benefits of the covenant. Number one, he says there in verse 20, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to obey. What's he saying? He's saying, number one, when you feel that blood come on you, remember, this is alive. This is not something to light. This is living. Now, because it's living, remember, number one, it has covered your sin. No more self-condemnation. No more self-hatred. No more guilt. It's covered you. God can't see that sin. Number two, when you feel that blood come upon you, remember, it's your covenant. Your covenant means you're covered. Your covenant number two means that you are commanded to obey. So you better watch how you live for the next 365 days. And number three, when you feel that blood come on you, remember it's because you have a covenant with Yahweh God. And he says, if you obey, that's the if. Deuteronomy 28 verse one, if you obey, I'll put you on the high places of the earth. The third part is if you obey it, you will be blessed when the blood, when you feel the blood on you, remind yourself, I have a living covenant with God Almighty. I am covered from sin. 
I will obey his word. And when I obey, I will be blessed. What does the blessing represent? Three things. Number one, I'll be blessed financially. Number two, I'll be blessed health-wise. And number three, I'll be blessed with protection. That means from sickness. That means from enemy, enemy troops. I'm trying to get you to understand what they did in the lesser covenant. They're feeling the blood hit them. Like this, and they're blinking their eyes. And he's saying, you have a cup, don't ever forget it. Are you looking at me, Levi? Are you looking at me, Malachi? I'm just, whatever their names are. Don't you ever forget it. For the next 365 days, don't you dare forget this. Your covenant with God is alive. There's life behind it. And that's why I'm putting the blood on you so you remember there's something alive here. Now you make sure you remember. Don't be condemned. You're covered. Obey the word of God and you will be blessed financially, health-wise, and protection-wise. And the people would receive that. And they'd go, yes, Lord. I, what, is, what are they doing? I reaffirm my covenant with you on this day of atonement. I will live the next 365 days to the best of my ability honoring you. Amen. Now, that's them. Now we find us. Oh, what a better covenant, Jenny. <laughs> they couldn't touch it, I can. They could do it once a year, I can do it every day. Not for salvation, which happened once, but out of honor, which happens constantly. Now, this is what the Lord said to me. He said, if you understand this, prosperity, protection, and health will not be so much of an illusion, aloof to you. A lot of people, they're trying to get it. If you understand this thing, that those blessings of the covenant will just, they'll just be there. A lot of people trying not to sin. If you can understand this, Unlike the Old Testament, which they were commanded to obey, but it was a bar they couldn't even reach because they didn't have help on the inside. If you can understand this, you'll find that the ability of the Holy Ghost to say no to sin will just rise up within you. If you can understand this, you realize I'm not just covered, I'm washed. It's not like it's there, but it's hidden. It's gone. If they didn't have to have condemnation, why the heck am I? It's gone. So this is what God says Let's say Deanne is standing there. This is what God is saying to her, to all of us. He's saying, this is what I want you to do. Just like they said, Moses said, this is the blood of the covenant. And I sprinkle you with it. I remind you, it's alive. Make it real to you. Don't you forget this for the next 365 days. This is what we do. Father, I talk. I talk this morning. As I wake up before I start my day, I talk about my covenant with you. And I talk about the blood that brought me in that covenant. The life that is in me because of that covenant. It was alive when you hung on the cross. It was alive on May 23rd, 1982, when I gave my heart to Jesus at six and a half years old. That's the first day it became alive in me. I remind myself today that I'm a covenant man and that it's alive in me. The life of the blood, the life of God is in me because I'm a covenant man. That's what you do every day. If you do this, you'll find things will change for you. You've got to slow down before you get your coffee and you've got to say, Father, I close my eyes and I focus on you. And I tell you this morning, thank you for the covenant. I am a covenant man with you. The blood of Jesus brought me in 2,000 years ago. It made it real to me. In 1982, how many years ago was that? 39, 40, almost 40 years ago, 39 years ago for me. It made it real to me. But Lord, it's not just real to me then, it's real to me now. And I talk to you, I thank you that I'm in covenant. I thank you that the life of God is in me. This thing, listen to me, I'm trying to help you. This is how you apply the blood. You magnify it. How do you magnify it? You talk about it. He sprinkled it with his fingers. You sprinkle it with your words. Your words. And you start to talk about it to the Father. Thank you for the covenant. I'm a covenant man. I want you to know it's real to me, Father. I want you to know it's real to me. I'm not religious, Father. This is living in me. The life of God in that covenant 
that was alive to me 39 years ago is just as alive to me today and more so. This covenant is in me. I'm alive to it. I'm alive to you. I'm a covenant man. Thank you for the life of the blood that's in me. Thank you that it's real to me. I remind you that I'm your son. I remind me that I'm your man. And I do it today. Now listen now. Remember what Moses would say? And don't you forget it. Not for 365 days. What do I say to myself? Don't you forget it, Craig. For the next 24 hours, don't you forget it. This afternoon when temptation comes, don't you forget it. This afternoon when something happens and you want to lose your temper, don't you forget it. When you feel those symptoms come on your body, don't you forget it, Craig. When you hear the bad report about the finances, don't you forget it, Craig. For the next 24 hours, don't you forget it. You don't need to remember it forever. You only need to remember it for one day. Because guess what? Tomorrow, I'm going to reaffirm it. I'm going to remind myself. I'm going to reinforce it tomorrow morning. But for today, don't you forget it, Craig. You are not just some Christian. You are a covenant man. And the life of God, because Jesus' blood cut that covenant. Without the blood, I don't have the covenant. And with that blood is life. Because I'm in that covenant, I'm alive. That covenant is in me. It's living. It's real. I'm trying to get you, I'm trying to get you to catch something powerful. If you can say it in the morning, I'm a covenant man, and it's real to me. It's alive in me. Don't you forget it, Craig, for the next 23 hours and 59 minutes. Don't you dare forget it. You're a covenant man. Honor, I honor it daily. I honor it today because I'm a priest and I'm worthy to handle it. I'm a covenant man. I'm a covenant man. I show honor for the covenant by talking about it, by thanking you for that living life. That blood that's in me that's made me alive. That's what applying the blood means. It's not just, I apply the blood. It's understanding that what that blood has accomplished has made you covenant. And reminding him, reminding you. And showing honor for it. And reverence for it. And worship for it. And saying, it's real. This is the key. This is the key because the life is in the blood. The way you honor the blood is by expressing life. You've got, to, it's got to be real. You've got to tell God it's real. It's real to me, Father. This ain't just some religious thing. I'm a covenant man. The life of God is in me because the blood of Jesus is on me. And the life is in me. And this is living to me. This has force. This has power. This has strength. And don't you forget it, Craig, for the next 24 hours. If you'll do that, as the day progresses, you will, you will, things will come. But as they pop up, you'll be so aware of what you just did that morning. And when you feel symptoms, you'll say, no, you don't. You see, this is where the no, you don't comes from a place of revelation, not just a place of dead confession. Ah, no, no, I'm healed. Ah, no, 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 I'm healed. My my rosary. Ah, by the way, I'm healed. Oh, no, no, you don't, devil. No, you don't. Take your hands with me. No, you don't. That's a bunch of crap. That's just don't. It don't work. That's why it doesn't work for people, because it's religious to them. If it's real to you, when those symptoms come, when you feel it, the the knowledge that I am a covenant man and life breathes in me by the blood of Jesus, I say to you, go from me, and they actually obey. When torment comes, you say, no, you don't. When condemnation comes, I'm washed. When you feel like you can't live right, you say, the blood gives me, the life of covenant gives me strength to say no to sin. Remember, this is the blood of the covenant. Obey it. There's an obedience. He's looking for right living. You can't have the blessing without right living. You can't have right living if you're always condemned. So he says, you're covered. Stop beating yourself up, live right, and you'll be blessed. That's basically the three things in a nutshell. What am I saying? I'm washed. There's power in me, unlike the Old Testament saints, to live right. Because I got the Holy Ghost, they didn't. It's easy for me to live right. When sin comes, I remind myself, the living covenant is within me. It's real to me. I say no. 
and the devil pushes it back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now, now because I'm, I'm washed, number one, because I'm living clean, number two, now I have a right for the blessing, number three. And that blessing includes protection. So I don't have to walk around afraid of Omicron or whatever it's called. No, no, I'm serious. No, I'm trying to help you. If you really understand living covenant, you walk as a king. You know you can't touch me. I don't care what I walk into. I don't care what invisible germs are there. The life of God, because I'm a covenant man, comes out of me. I am divinely protected. It's real to me, Jenny. I'm protected. It's real to me. If symptoms come, I'm the healed of the Lord. Go. It's real to me. Ah, if I need finances, which we all need, we've got to constantly stay on it. Lord, I call that thing. It will come. I call those clients. I call that promotion. I call that increase. I say it because we're not just saying it. There's something living inside of you and you believe it because you're a covenant man. And when you call for money from a place of covenant because of the blood, it's different than a mental anti-dead confession. Half the church is saying confession with nothing attached to it. You've got to say it with your heart. The life of covenant bursting out of you. Then when you say money come, it will come. When you say demon go, he will go. When you say, I thank you that I am not sick. Weakness is not a part of my portion. It will stay off you. Are you with me? Do covenant, my brother and sister. Wake up in the morning. There's no point doing it at night before you go to bed. You're about to go to bed. You're not facing anything. You're not even conscious. You just... There, you're like a log. That's what we call it, sleeping like a log. You're like a log. Some of you are noisy logs, but you're like a log. In the morning time, take a minute or two. I mean it. Say, Father, I remember Moses. He said to the people once a year, but I say it every day. Because that blood was not worthy to be honored but once a year, but this is blood worthy to be honored every day. And only the high priest could touch that, but I can touch it because I'm a priest. How do I honor it? How do I apply it? How do I show reverence when I talk about it? I want you to know, Father, I'm your covenant child. I thank you that Jesus made the way by his blood and that because I entered that blood, the life in that blood came in me. Life is in me this morning. I may not feel it because I'm tired and I'm, you know, whatever, but Lord, I want you to know I'm a covenant man and I've got life in me. The life of the blood is in me. This is real to me. This is living in me. This has power and force and strength in me. If I've done anything wrong, wash me. Start your day washed. And I will not be condemned. Now, Father, as I go, I thank you for the life in me to rise up, to push back temptation and sin. I will obey the covenant. And because I'm clean and I'm obedient, I have a right to the blessing. Because it's living in me, I know that healing is second nature. Finances is second nature. And protection is second nature. So I wear the mask so they don't kick me out of the store, but I'm not wearing the mask because I really think I'm protected by the mask. I'm wearing the mask because I'm trying to be a good citizen. But in my heart, it's not just a dead thing, Blair. There's a living. It's alive, Jenny. That's what the blood is. It's life. The covenant has to be living to you. When you talk to God about the living covenant, you're honoring the blood. That's actually applying the blood is talking about the living covenant. Because it's the blood of the covenant. Because for years, I just did this little thing. Father, according to your word, apply the blood. And after a while, I started thinking to myself, what am I doing? Did it leave me? Why am I even applying it? Did it disappear? What am I really doing? Because that's what they taught me to do. But what does it mean? So I started to ask God. Because I want this to really work for me. Now listen, even in just that simple confession, we've seen... Just that, that was my measure of revelation on the blood. So using my measure of revelation would still cause incredible results of protection and of deliverance and of healing. 
But as I started to hunger for more revelation, if I now just go back to that simple little, not empty, but it was heartfelt, but it lacked much. If I just go back to that, I will lose my momentum. Because I understand now it's not just the phrase, I applied the blood. It's understanding. I am reminding you and me that I'm a covenant man because of that blood. And life is in me. And it's a living covenant. And it's alive in me today. I thank you that I'm washed. I thank you that I will live clean. I thank you that I am blessed. I am prospered. I am healed. And I am safe. When I leave my house today, I leave as a living covenant man. It breathes in me. It moves in me. It's alive in me. If I, if I, if I, I'm serious. If you really understand this and a mugger come up, that's why you hear sometimes these old stories of the old grannies. You know, the young guys want to do their kung fu karate. But the old grannies that understood the life of the blood, they would simply say, stop, and the power of God would knock those muggers down. I remember once a lion was attacking a person in South Africa on their farm and they said, the blood of Jesus and angels, their eyes were open and they saw angels come and move those lions off their property. If you really understand the life of covenant, when you say things, God will enforce your word. You never have to be afraid getting on a plane because it's living in you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you guys, this is so real. When you apply the blood, you are making much. You are showing honor. You are reminding yourself of the living covenant. Yes. It's got to be alive. Yes, amen. It's got to be alive. Amen. Take time every morning to refresh yourself to its life. And then live out that 24 hours in its life. And then the next day, remind yourself again. Remember what Dr. Summerall said, faith has to be renewed every day day. You don't renew it every day, it'll start to fall away from you. So the reminding of the life covenant has to be renewed every day. If you start doing it, it's not that God doesn't love you. It's not that you're not going to heaven. It's not any of us. It's that it doesn't work for you the same unless it's living and breathing in you. You stop doing it, you'll find yourself when you say things that sometimes isn't, they sometimes don't. And if they do listen, they take a long time. But when you're living in this, when you speak, it happens quickly. Because it's a life. It's a life. See, everything with Jesus is life. Everything with religion is death and stagnation, legalism, rosaries. But everything with the spirit of grace is alive. You're supposed to live alive. They're walking like dead men. Inside they're dead. I walk alive. And half the time, I don't even, sometimes you don't have to tell anybody. I don't know how they pick it up, but they pick it up. Like when I got my vaccine, that nurse, she said, what is it about you? I'm not doing anything. I'm not walking around like. I'm not doing that. I got my mask on. I rolled up my sleeve. I said, which arm do you want? Oh, it's up to you, sir. I'm not doing anything spiritual. She said, what is it about you? I feel something around you. And I smile. I said, that's Jesus. Because I walk in that living dominion. You've got to walk in it. You've got to walk in it. Especially if you're going to fly with me in that little plane. You've got to walk. You've got to walk in that stuff. Hallelujah. Are you a little bit helped? A little bit helped? You, you want finances? It won't going to come just because you make a confession as quickly. It, it will come. But you really want to see God do something in your money? Get the revelation that you are a covenant and it's alive to you. That money will obey you. Demons will obey you. Coronavirus will obey you. Mother-in-laws will obey you. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's not true because that's witchcraft. So don't, I'm just saying that to make you laugh, but no. I've explored that in depth, but I can't get, a, I can't, I can't get around that. It's still witchcraft, so I have to leave it alone. Praise God. Things will obey you, Taylor. Things will obey you. Your flesh. Your flesh will obey you. I'm alive. I'm, it's living in me. It's living in me. No, 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 no. 
that desire to look at that, that desire to think that, that desire to say that, that desire to give that symbol to the person when they cut you off, that desire to cuss, that desire to be mean to your wife, that desire to be in a bad mood, that desire to be stingy. These are all fleshly things. And there's a hundred others. If it's living in you, if it's alive in you, all you're trying to do is remember it for 24 hours. Then you're going to refresh it. Don't you forget it, Craig. You can do this for this day. No matter what comes your way, you are going to walk in victory. No matter what sin, you will not yield to it. Don't think of the rest of your life. Just think of today. Jesus said today is enough devils are for itself, enough evil. Don't try to think about next week. Because you can't even handle all the devils that are coming today and all your flesh that wants to rise up today. Just hand, Jesus said it, just handle today. So when I say, I've got 24 hours, I'm going to live in this covenant for 24 hours. And I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, it's glorious. You've got something special tonight, whether you realize it or not. There's more, there's more, but I can't get into all the other stuff. I just wanted to give you the nutshell. Try to, try to live it. That's why early morning prayer is so important. It's so important. It's so important. In fact, if you understood how important it was, and you, when you sleep past your alarm, you'd rather be late for work than miss that time with God. Because that time with God isn't just a religious, stagnated thing. That time with God is when you remind yourself and Him that you are part of a living covenant. It is real to you. It is going to work for you that day. You honor Him. You make much of that blood and apply it to your life from that perspective. And then, of course, that's just one part of your time with God. Then there's reading the Word, praying in the Spirit, worship. There's so many things you can do. And then you get up and you go about your day and you're constantly aware. Remember, remember Jesus, I'll close with this. Remember Jesus said to, to Pastor Nancy, that minister didn't sin because the temptation took him out. He didn't start his day with me and keep his heart and face turned toward me all day long. You see, if you start your day with this and then all day long you keep your, heart, you keep your face turned to him. All day long, no matter what comes along, you say, I have a living covenant. It's real to me. Do you understand what that means? I have a covenant with Jehovah. Who do you think you are, coronavirus? Who do you think you are, lack? Who do you think you are, fear? I am covenant and it's living in me. When you start to, I'm telling you, it starts to breathe out of you. It starts to ooze out of you. It starts to emanate out of you. And then you go through that day and you have victory. And then that manna, remember the manna? It went rotten the next day. Every day they had to get up and get more manna. So every day, Jenny, I have to get up and I have to refresh this. And it's alive in me again. And I, I live out of that life that day. And it wanes by the time I'm sleeping. And I open my eyes and I reaffirm that life. And I live out of that strength that day. What most Christians do is up. Give me the coffee. Hurry up, woman. Get out of my way. And that's how they start their day. Then they wonder why. Oh, I wonder why I don't have victory. I don't know why sickness. I don't know, don't know why you can't leave me. Go in Jesus' name. Rosary. Go, 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 go in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' Go, go, go. I don't understand, Pastor. This faith thing doesn't work. You're an idiot. That's what it's about. You're just religious. Religious people are stupid. They are, Jenny. They are. The Bible calls them ignoramuses. It's not about religion. It's about a living truth. Have it. It works. It works. I'm telling you, my brother, this works. It breathed, he breathed it into me again, this, this passion for it this afternoon. And he said, now it's time to preach it, son. Tell the people to live it. My word will work for them. The covenant will work for you. Praise God. But start it when you open your eyes. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Father, I remind you that we are covenant people, that Jesus cut that with you so that I could enter it by his holy blood and that that life is in that covenant, that life is in me. It's living and it's strong and it's full of power. It's throbbing and vibrating in me. It's pulsating life. I'm a covenant man. Nothing can overcome me. No temptation can overcome me. No sickness, no poverty, no lack. No danger can overcome me. 
No condemnation can overcome me because I am washed, because I live clean, and because I'm the blessed of the Lord. Oh, I walk in this life and the strength this day. I honor you, Father, for this precious blood and this life that is in me, and I, with my mouth, show it reverence. I've applied it today. Give me strength as I walk my day, and I will do it again tomorrow, for it must be renewed every day. The manna must be gathered fresh every morning. So, Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Let this congregation and those watching, let their hearts swing like open wide doors. Let this delivery of revelation just pile into their hearts and renew their precious minds and let them tomorrow, let them take that extra minute and start to meditate. They may have to listen to the sermon two or three or four or ten times until it really gets in them, but let them start living it. They'll start to see practical changes every single day in a variety of areas in their life because they are covenant men and women washed by the blood and filled with the life of God and it's real to us. It's not legalism, it's real. It's breathing, it's emanating, it's vibrating, it's pulsating out of me. Sickness cannot attach itself. Viruses die on contact. Fear is pushed back. I have utter and complete dominion in Jesus' name. Father, thank you. I seal it by the power of the Holy Ghost in their hearts tonight. Let them live it in Jesus' name. I thank you and I praise you. Hallelujah.